Hey, this is Brian with Mid-City Church and our weekly conversation and podcast. Hey, if you want to learn a little bit more about Mid-City Church, you can check us out online at midcityvineyard.org, Instagram at midcityvineyard, and of course on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard Church. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series entitled Soul Care, and really the idea here is uh, how do we as human beings care for our souls. And we know how to care for ourselves physically. We know how a lot of times to care for ourselves mentally. But what does it actually look like to care for the essence of our being? And we think that there may be some practices and some things that we can do uh, to, to further encourage and to further care for our souls. And so that's what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. And for today's conversation, the place that we're going with this is what does it look like to take time for rest and for fun, and how does that impact uh, the health of one's soul? So we're going to head on over to the conversation. Thanks for joining us. Much peace to you. People, okay. Hey, so today we're going to continue uh, this series that we started a few weeks ago, entitled Soul Care. And as a reminder, I mentioned this last week, but we, we really do understand a number of things when it comes to taking care of ourselves. We understand physical care. You know, we, we jog, we go to the gym, we, we eat, we try to eat well. It's hard during king cake season. But, you know, you do your, we, we know how to physically care for ourselves. Um, mentally, you know, we have, we have things that we do to, to keep ourselves mentally sharp, whether it's, whether it's reading or, or playing uh, mind games like Sudoku or, or things like that where we try to keep ourselves just mentally sharp. We know how to many times know how to take our, care of ourselves emotionally, whether it's uh, through therapy or through having someone that we speak to and talk about the, the stuff that's going on with us. Soul care is kind of an interesting one because lots of times I have found uh, that people are, are a little bit more like, how do I actually care for my soul? And keep in mind for us, when I talk about soul, what I'm, what I'm really talking about and how I define soul is the essence of our being. It's, it's kind of the, it's the, the be-all, say-all. The, it's the core of who we are. And a lot of times, anytime you are caring for your, your personhood, your soul, it, it helps physically, mentally, emotionally, all of, all of these things together. But soul, caring for our soul, comes in lots of ways, whether it's through contemplation, meditation, through taking time off, through having fun. I mean, that's an actual soul care way of, of taking care of one's soul. Last week, we talked about prayer, the importance of, of prayer, which is not just a Christian thing. We, we discussed that prayer is something that takes place in all kinds of avenues and ways. Lots of people pray. People pray to different beings or entities. Uh, but for Christians, Christian prayer is what we discussed last week. And today I want to talk about what it actually means to take time off, to rest, and to have fun, because I think that these are, in my opinion, I think rest and time off is probably one of the best things that a person can do to actually care for their soul, to care for their well-being, because t time, time and rest, time off and rest is good for us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. All, the, all of it. 
one writer says it like this. He says, burnout, which I think many of us are familiar with burnout. Are you, are you not? You know, we, we use that term a lot, burnout. Oh, I'm just, I'm so burnt out. I'm burnt out on whatever. Maybe I'm burnt out on work. Maybe I'm burnt out on my kids. Maybe I'm burnt out on school. Maybe I'm, whatever it might be. But burnout is what happens when we try to give what we do not have. Burnout is a state of emptiness that is not the result of giving all I have. It merely reveals the nothingness from which I am trying to give in the first place. Burnout ultimately is I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, but I don't possess within what, I ha- what I'm trying to give away. And it leads, and it truly does leave, lead to burnout. And this happens across <laughs> all boards for all kinds of people. So over Christmas, we were able to uh, traditionally, we try to, to, to go out of town on a family vacation at Christmas. Um, most people pick the summer. We, we pick uh, the, the winter months because we have a better chance of seeing snow, uh, depending on where we go. This past year, we were able to take the kids uh, to the Grand Canyon. So we went to, we drove. It was a 27-hour drive to Sedona, and, and we spent time in Sedona, and then we went to the Grand Canyon, and we had truly the most wonderful time. It was, uh, for us, we were able to do a 10-day trip this time, uh, and it was amazing the whole thing was amazing and one of the things that I noticed over and over and over again is that we would wake up in the morning and I would have to ask now what day is it what day what day is it today because when when you when you step away I mean you guys know how this works but when you step away for for a time and you don't have a specific thing you have to do you don't have a specific agenda you just kind of lose yourself in the time you lose time of day you lose time of week I didn't even know, like, what, when is New Year's coming? Is that, did Christmas already happen? It was kind of like this real kind of weird vibe. The only thing we had each day was, was basically one thing. Today we're supposed to go and hike Trail X. Well, when? Whenever we want. Well, how long do we do it for? However long we want. Well, what are we supposed to do after that? Nothing. Like, this, this was, it was, it was fantastic. We were able to hike when we wanted. We were able to, Christy and I were able to, to go to the, the hotel bar and have a drink when we wanted. We were able to go back to the room and have a nap when we wanted. We were able to go to bed when we wanted. We were able to wake up when we wanted. It was like, I don't know what heaven is like, but it was like heaven, I'm sure. It was kind of, we had snowball fights whenever we wanted. One night we wanted snowballs, and so we went to the local grocery store, and we bought a can of condensed milk, and then we went back to the hotel, and we took the cups and went outside and grabbed snow that had just fallen, and we poured our condensed milk all over it, and it was amazing. You should really, it was, you could do it all whenever we wanted. I got that idea because I was at a snowball stand uh, last year, and this woman walks up, and she's like, I want a large ice with condensed milk. And I, I was overhearing the whole thing, and the, uh, the, the girl serving behind the counter was like, you want what? And she goes, I'm from up north. This is how we make snowballs. And so you should really try it. It was amazing. It was a glorious time, and I think the reason is is because ultimately I really believe that we are designed to live in life to the fullness, to, to do our work, and to enjoy our playtime, to be productive, and then to enjoy our rest. And I think that this balance in life is how we've been, it's been set up, it's been created. And a lot of this does come from how our understanding of the divine. A lot of this un- comes from our understanding of scripture. In the ancient Hebrew scriptures, in Exodus chapter 5, here's, here's the cliff note version of the story if you're not familiar with it. There was a group of people, the Hebrew people, and they had been taken into slavery by the Egyptians. 
This was some four or five thousand years ago. They'd been taken into slavery by the Egyptians. And the Egyptians, the Pharaoh, the, the boss there, he, he was, he was a, it was slave labor. And they would put them to work making bricks. That was the thing. And a, a, a Hebrew's value was determined by how many bricks they could make in a day. And if they didn't make enough bricks, they were all dispensable. You know, so if you didn't make enough bricks and you weren't carrying your weight, they could drag you out and kill you. They could whip you. They could do whatever. And if you were carrying your weight, they, you, you, were, you were considered valuable. Well, the, the Pharaoh, the Egyptian Pharaoh, kept adding work and adding work and adding work. And the scriptures actually tell us that these Hebrew people were working seven days a week, multiple hours a day, to keep making these bricks. Well, over time, the Hebrew God, Yahweh, the, the, the God that we understand in the Old Testament scriptures and, and who we worship as Christians, is the one who sets the people free. And it's through this whole thing with this guy named Moses. If you're not familiar with the story, you, could, you can learn it in that book of Exodus. But these Israelite people, these Hebrew people, get set free from Egypt, and they're taken out of the slavery, and this Hebrew God, Yahweh, brings them into a different land and gives them a new way to live life. This is where we get the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are basically given to this Hebrew group of people by their God, Yahweh, because the Egyptians didn't worship this Yahweh God. They worshipped other gods, the sun, the moon, Ra, some of these different gods. So the Hebrew god, Yahweh, takes them out of this place of slavery and says, listen, there are a couple of things that I'm going to tell you, and this is how I would like for you to live, and, and it's going to set you apart from all the other ways people live. So, for instance, the first thing I want you to do is have no other gods. Like, I want you to just be monotheistic people. You have one god. Those Egyptians have multiple gods. So this is one of the things that's going to set you apart. That's, that's the goal here. Well, it gives them this list, things like don't kill other people, don't steal other people's stuff, um, a number of things. But then right in the middle of the list, this, this Hebrew god also says, and I want you to take a day off. Every week, I want you to take a day off. Called it the Sabbath, or in, in Hebrew, it was Shabbat. It says, I want you to take one day off every single week. It's fascinating because the Hebrew God is basically saying, I want you to be set apart from all the other people. And one of the ways I'm going to set you apart is you take a day off. Which, to me, sounds like a pretty good deal. Like, if, if, the, if the God that you're, you adhere to is telling you to take a day off and rest and have fun, that seems like a good deal. But the Hebrew people struggled. They struggled because they had been brought up in a society in a time. They were in slavery for 400 years. I mean, so kids grew up in this. They, kids grew up in it, became parents in it, became grandparents in it, became great-grandparents in it, and then died in it. This was in their blood. And it was in the Hebrews' blood. that you, The way you get your value is by how much you produce. That was, the, that was the deal. So then there's a story later in Exodus 16 where the people are out in their own land, and they're hungry. And they're saying to Yahweh, their God, they're saying, hey, we're hungry. And we, we, we need more food. And so Yahweh says, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to send meat and potatoes. It was really meat and bread. Manna and quail is what it was. The manna was like a bread substance, and then the quail was the meat, the bird. And he says, I'm going to send meat and manna six days a week. Every morning you go out and you get enough food for that day. Do not get enough food for the next day. Get enough food for that one day. But on the sixth day, go out 
and get enough food for the sixth day and the seventh day. Because on the seventh day, I'm not sending anything. I'm taking the day off. So the people go out on day six. And they pick their food for the day. And they don't necessarily pick enough food for the next day. And when they go out the next day, there's, there's not enough food. And so they're like, oh, wait a minute. Yahweh also wants us to take the day off. So we need to pick enough on day six for two days, take it home. That food's not going to spoil. That food's going to be good for the next day. So we're actually <laughs> supposed to take the day off. Yahweh, our God, is saying, hey, rest is important. Time with your family is important. Not producing, not getting your value from your work. All of this is important. So I want you to take that day and do nothing. So really, Shabbat, Sabbath, whatever we call it, or a day of rest, is, it's, it's, kinda, it's got this two-part thing. Number one, it's, it's an alternative to the way that we've been taught. And it's resistance. It's resistance against a number of, of things that I want to look at for just a minute. Here's how I would explain it personally. Lives that are set apart are supposed to probably be set apart for a person who's a Christian at very fundamental levels. Meaning that what it seems, historically speaking, through Scripture and what we understand is that God is always trying to get the people that follow God to be set apart by not bowing down to the gods of this world. That's what was happening with the Ten Commandments. I would suggest that some of the gods of this world, and you can find your own, but some of the gods of this world I would consider to be worry. I think that's a god of this world. Lust, uh, haste, angst, uh, violence, uh, F-15s, greed, power, nationalism, consumption, production. I think these are all what I would consider to be gods of this world. And, and, and I, I, I simply, I even throw in big stuff like F-15s, violence and stuff. Watch the Super Bowl today. Watch the Super Bowl. And after the national anthem, what happens over the top of the stadium? And what do 80,000 people do? We erupt in applause because we recognize, oh, wait, I'm, I'm safe. I'm protected. Well, we have, we're the most, I live in the most powerful nation in the world. And, 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 what, and, and people, maybe not people in this room, but people put their trust in that. It's, I, I would consider this. It's, it, these are gods of the world. Where you put your trust is wherever it is. Perhaps the divine is trying to set us apart. Not by asking us to you know, curse less. Maybe that's not what setting apart is. Maybe being set apart is resisting the things that stand in direct opposition to trusting in God. Gaining our value from what we produce is one of those things. And we all do it in some way, shape, or form. Another thing, another way we put our trust, and we're going to do this this year. I've been working on the 2020 calendar of things that we're going to discuss and talk about. I don't know if you guys realize this, but 2020 is an election year. Oh, dear God. We have to go through this crap again. But you know what? We're going to talk about it because I, I've, I've seen it. Every, as long as I've been pastoring for 20 years now, every time election year comes around, most of the time Christians like flip out 
because it's all about, you know, is it going to be this or this? And, and it's, you know what, as a, as a follower of Christ, we don't put our trust even in who gets into office, ultimately. Like, that's not where our trust lies. And I would say this today to you. If you want to maintain your sanity in 2020, take a day off every single week, turn off the news, whichever you watch, turn it off, step away from your phone, step away from the noise, relook refocus your attention on the divine what God's doing in your life what God is doing around you refocus where do I really put my trust who do I really trust with my life and you will maintain more sanity this year than maybe in years past because election year this is going to be awful again but it doesn't have to be for for someone who is able to still and quiet their soul and recognize where trust lies Sabbath, though, is about that. It's about taking the day off. It's about taking a day for some rest, for some fun. It's one of the most fruitful ways that you can actually care for your soul. And that's what we're talking about. How do I care for my soul? So I'm not telling you what to do. This isn't a legalistic thing for me. This is more like, hey, if you were to say, Brian, how do I take care of myself physically? Say, well, exercise some. That'll help. And eat less king cake. That'll help. Or exercise more than you normally do so that you can eat king cake. And then that also, I think that balance, that's the approach I'm taking. Um, If you were to say, how do I take care of my soul? I would say, this is one of the the key ways. Learn how to take a break. Learn how to step away. Learn how to have fun. Find a day where you learn how to relate to time differently. Where you relate to time differently. A day where you're not bound by your calendars. You're not bound by your clock. Now, on your day off, you might still have something at 4 o'clock. I, you know, maybe it's that barbecue next door. That's fine. But I'm, I'm just, it's in general, you're not bound by the things that bind you the other six days of the week. And when we do this, and I, I'm speaking this as one who, is, who, who practices this and who has practiced this for quite some time. When we do this, what happens is we begin to see the other six days differently. You see, when we engage on the Sabbath, when we engage time differently, when we engage people differently, what happens is we begin to become more present. We become more present to the people we're with because we're not bound by time. We become more present to the, the tasks that we're engaged in because we're not bound by time. And that ultimately plays into the other six days of the week. <coughs> where we are able to be more present in life, more present to people. Sabbath gives us a chance to actually listen to our life. Most of the time we're going so fast that we don't take time to rest and even listen to what's going on on the inside. But days off, a day of rest gives you time to actually pay attention to what's happening on the inside. And it's not just about taking a day of rest, but it's about ordering our life into a particular rhythm because our lives work best I think it's designed this way by the creator you can you learn this just by looking at the creation itself you know moving from season to season to season to season and then there's new life and new birth in spring and we we go through it again rhythm is built into the nature of creation you are a person of rhythm and we arrange our lives to these rhythms the other thing about sabbath that I love so much or a day of rest is it's it takes it's bodily engagement. Like you engage your actual physical body in the place of saying, today, I'm not going to produce. I'm not going to work today. I'm not going to the computer today to work. It's a day where you, the work's not done, but you pretend like it is. Because the work's never done. 
It's never done. But we pretend like it is because we are reminded when we take a rest, we are reminded that our provision ultimately comes from the divine. It's God who takes care of us. We realize on the day that we take rest that we are human beings. We're not human doings. And the reason that's so important is because we all have limits. We try to live these lives where we act as though we have no limits. But we do have limits. We all have limits. And it's a day where we acknowledge, you know what, I have limits. But God, who does not, is the one who cares for me. God, who does not, is the one where I, that's the, the person that I put my trust in. It's a way of arranging our life to honor the rhythm of things, work and rest, fruitfulness and dormancy, giving and receiving, being and doing, activism and surrender. It's all important. But we can be better activists when we learn how to actually surrender, understanding that it's not just us that gets the things done. We can be better givers when we actually learn to receive and so on and so forth. So when it comes to this idea, there, there are just a couple things that I would encourage people to think through. Maybe some principles here. The heart of the day of rest is just to do no work and just not to work. So here's how it works for me. Um, and I, I love it. I look forward to it. In the beginning, it was hard because I get a lot of value from what I do. But on Friday evenings, I go into my study and I clean my desk. So it's got six days of junk piled up on it, but I clean my desk. I kind of order the space. I close out every document that I've been working on, and then I take great pleasure in this. And then I actually turn my computer to shutdown mode, which it's good for my computer, too, because my computer never gets rest. I don't shut it down all week. It just runs in the, you know, but I hit my computer and I put it on shutdown mode. And it's almost like a symbolic thing that happens when the computer goes, and then I close it and I'm done. Like my work is done. It's done until Sunday morning. So from <coughs> Friday afternoon when I shut that down all the way through Saturday till Sunday morning, my work is done. Now, it just so happened this weekend, I have a ton of work left. I'm preparing, um, some retreats through my other business that I, that I run and some, some uh, soul care retreats. And I have a lot, a lot of work to do. And yesterday I was walking the dog with Zoe Moon, trying not to be bound by time. I'm sitting on the bench out, by my, uh, out at the park by my house and I'm thinking of all that work that has to be done. And then I'm reminded, oh, today's a day where I pretend like the work's actually already done. <laughs> Which was very... So much so that I, was, I texted a friend yesterday just to say hi, and the friend texted back and was like, why are you texting on your day off? <laughs> Thank you. That's good. That's good. But the heart of it is to cease work. The heart of it is to establish rhythm and to practice this, uh, and maybe even practice it with others. I'm, I'm learning. This is a, it's a good day for my family. I can be more in tune. Try to exclude things like work, buying and selling, and worry. Also a hard one. Buying and selling is a big one because we live in a production consumption society. So it, it, we're not much different than how, what the Hebrews were experiencing in Egypt. 
but we're always, we're always, that's, that's, that's the language of our day, buying and selling, buying and selling, buying and selling. Try to step away from it for a day. And then try to include these kinds of things, ways that rest your body, ways that replenish your spirit, ways that restore your soul. The way I would say it is figure out what you enjoy doing and do that. So this isn't, again, you're not legalistic on this. Maybe yard work is like your most favorite thing in the world to do. Then spend the day outside engaging in it. I hate yard work. <laughs> I bought a house that has all concrete. <laughs> so I just have Roundup. I love that, though. What is fun? And go do that. Taking walks fun? Then take walks. Uh, spending time with someone that you, you, like their, you like their companionship and you like to drink old fashions or you like to drink cups of coffee, then go do that. You like to walk the dog, go walk the dog. 150 times, it doesn't matter, it's your day. Here's the most amazing thing. This day off was actually, and this is why we're not legalistic about it, it wasn't given to us to please God. Jesus says, no, no, no. People weren't made for the Sabbath day. Jesus says the Sabbath day, like the day of rest, was made for the people. That's how cool God is, that God's like, hey, listen, uh, I've got these amazing people, this amazing creation. I love them so much. I know they, I know they, they have some go-get-it in them, and they're going to work, and they're going to, you know, you, you, need, you need to work. It's good to work and make money and be able to function in, in, the, in the society. He says, but also, it's not the most important thing. So I want to give, give you people a day to, to not do any of that. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember where your trust lies give our bodies and we give our souls love and care. So whenever someone comes to sit in my office and they're like doing this whole soul care thing, we, it's one of the things we talk about. You know, what do you do for fun? Oh, I don't, I don't do anything for fun. Oh, that's where we're going to start. <laughs> because you need to have some fun. When do you rest? Oh, I don't rest. Listen, that's not a badge of honor. Our society says it is. Think about, it. so what you been up to? Man, I don't know, just busy. It's got to be one of the worst answers for a Christian. We think it's good because society says it's good. But for Christians who are trying to live lives that are set apart, that's a terrible answer. It's kind of like, wait a minute. Christians should be able, hopefully could say, what you been up to? Oh, just loving life, living life, doing some work, doing some play. Well, do you have time for this? Yep. Because I'm learning. Remember last week we talked about prayer, how we build in margins to our life? Life is to serve us. We don't, we don't serve the demand of what's... If we're going to come into the fullness of, of... Remember, everything for us is about fullness, right? I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I want to give you life to the full, Jesus says. And by that, he did not mean working yourself to death making more money than you could ever spend, finding your value in what you produce. That's not what Jesus meant. That's not, where, that's not where fullness comes from. So in practice, what might it look like? Here's what I would suggest if you are thinking about practicing something like this. Number one, pick a day. Does it matter which day? No. 
if you are, are in the service industry and you work every Saturday, Saturday is not going to be your day. If you're a cop or you're a nurse, your schedule's never the same. So, you know, you gotta, you got to figure this stuff out. It doesn't matter. Just find a day. <laughs> find a day that works. Try to build in a rhythm of some sort. Spend that day trying to allow yourself to be present. Present. What does your body need? Does your body need a nap? Take a nap. I think that's a... Naps are of the utmost spiritual value. I'm truly. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I, I believe it. I truly believe it. Spend the day, spend a day of the week learning how to relate to time differently than you do the other six days. And I promise you, you give this, you do this for three months, six months, it will begin to change how you actually relate to your other, the other days and how you relate to people. And then the second thing, it's, it, it's not rocket surgery. It's just kind of pick a day. Rocket science or brain surgery? No, no, no. It's not rocket surgery. It's, it's right. I'm just saying. It's a, mal it's a malafor. Which is you are. <laughs> <laughs> a malafor is the combining of two different metaphors. So it's not rocket surgery. <laughs> it's when you pick a day and it looks different and you figure out what feeds your soul and you do it. Listen, if you don't practice this right now, and some of you do, if you don't currently practice this, this is going to kill you in the beginning. And you will begin to see how much the culture has driven who you understand yourself to be. In the beginning, you will. I encourage you to practice it for soul care purposes, to practice it, to engage it, to get out and enjoy the day, to ride your bike, to walk your dog, to have pizza with a friend, to do whatever these things are that feed your soul and above all of it continue to allow yourself to be present to the presence of people and to the presence of God all around you the time in the park yesterday was phenomenal because it was just myself Zoe Moon and Luna our dog and I'm thinking about this retreat that I'm writing right now, and there's so much that I have to get done. And when I realize that I, today I pretend as though the work is done, and I was able to release it and able to truly come back to the space and place of recognizing God in the conversations with my eight-year-old, in the way she interacted with our dog, in the creation that was all around us, in the breeze that was blowing, and just beginning to recognize that God is so present. God is so close. God is so evident and so here. And it, 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 begins to, it begins to change how you experience life and others. And that's what I would encourage you when it comes to the idea of soul care. Child.